He is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I'm standing over there, and I started thinking, I think I'm getting in the spirit right now. I think I'm starting to feel like I'm in the spirit right now. And so I was like, I've got to jump up there just to say something. Because I just want you to know that our God is holy. And he is great. You know, and and I just said, you know, God, I am so thankful that, you know, even when you came into this world, that even it says the heavenly hosts of angels. So the word host actually means army. Right. So because he has all he is all power, has all authority, he reigns as king of kings and lord of lords, that he is in charge as the great lieutenant, sergeant and leader of a great army that he said that all of the hosts of heaven, all the angels rejoice for he is holy. Wow. That is amazing to me. And today it just, you know, it changes that frame of reference. And in our mind, it changes really what we're going through, I think, in our life, brother, in regard to, you know, what is the Christ of Christmas? What does the birth of Christ look like? What does a nativity look like? What happens through, you know, just truly understanding that we have the authority and God has the, the, the power through Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus has the power through God, but then we have, because it's then transferred down through us, to have power over principalities. That's powerful. And yet we live our life hung up and in sin because we're taking on the giants and listen what is a giant in our life a giant is the very thing that comes against us that's bigger than what we think we can be in our own physical stature and yet today as we face our giants in this part two last week was part one and as i conclude and move forward today i want you to see that anything and everything that you face in your life is a giant rather it's health addiction what, whether it's shame of your past, rather whatever you went through, I want you to say, you know what? I don't care because just like David did, he ran after that giant. And he took that giant down. What's interesting about this, this dialogue and the story of David and Goliath is that many people don't understand that there were five stones. The reason why there were five stones was because there were more than one giant. He had brothers. And so they went after, he went with five stones, took him down with the first stone. And I'm going to go maybe through that today because I feel that I just, I don't know what's happening here. Just go have a seat real quick. All right. So I want to I give you guys kind of a, we'll do our Bible decree, but I want, to, I want to share something with you because I really believe that, that God wants me to share this with you today. Here is something powerful in the Holy Scriptures, and I know this messes up everything for our son and, and media, but it doesn't matter because I really want God to, to give an anointing here today. So here's what I think is cool. Now, we're going to be talking about a few things today in regard to, and kids, you are dismissed. How about that? Because Pastor Todd is just, you know, I'm just falling through this because I want us to really embrace, 
you know, that the battle is the Lord's. And what we're going to what we're going to embrace is I want a church that's victorious over sin. I want a church that's victorious over the enemy. I want a church that understands that there's kingdom and there's power and authority through Jesus Christ. And we can truly move forward in that if we claim it and live it in our life. So it's not just up to the individuals that are sitting in the, the seats. It, it's not just up to the pastor, but it's up to the individuals that are sitting in the seats to then take on the word of God. See, when we manifest the Holy Spirit, we manifest Jesus Christ in our life, then we start to see that we now have the power and authority to pray over people and do the work that is called kingdom work and being kingdom minded. That means praying over an illness, whatever that 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 giant is in your life overcome it so let me explain what was taking place and then i think i'm going to do this video if not we'll, we'll see but um so I, I love that in the scriptures there was just this young little lad and this dude was you know just excited but here's what i think is so cool that david had favor from god how did david have favor from God. He said he was a man after God's own heart. Yet he had the favor. What I think is exciting about the text and the scriptures is this, that he knew that he already took down, listen, his responsibility was to oversee the sheep. He was a shepherd over the sheep. Am I correct? Amen. So as you start to see that David had a huge responsibility to make sure that he was taking on anything that would come against him or his flock. Right. So then he took on the authority of Christ. So, Lord, give me wisdom here and give me direction in the name of Jesus. So here's here's what I want to show you is that even though he had favor, what did it say in the scriptures that he took down a lion? Right. And a bear. How can just a young, young little dude take down a lion and a bear? Because he already had the anointing and the favor from God. So when he went out to the valley where the Philistines were at, and we had this giant that was there, we start to see this whole thing unfold. And then we start to see that he walks out, not just in his name, but in the powerful name of Jesus. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts which is the Lord and the sergeant over the army. Are you with me? Okay. All right. So I want you to look to the person around you and say, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Whatever you're facing, the battle is his. I remember the song. It went like this. The battle's not mine, says little David. Lord, it's thine. I'm in your favor. I'm giving it all to you. Hey. I knew not what to do, but I'm glad you let me see. There it is. You're really all that I need because the battle's not mine. I give it to you. Lord, it's thine. The battle's not ours. And whatever you're facing, whatever giant has come at you, I want you to know that you can take down that giant in Jesus. And so we have the power to be able to do that. Now you say, but how do you do that? So let me give you this little snippet in regard to a covenant. So here was little David who then gets out there. He was out there, already knows he's anointed, gets down, reaches down, picks up five stones. But before he does that, he looks out there at this big, massive, giant beast. And, and this beast that, you know, it, it says that uh, he was of high stature, 10 feet tall. And, uh, you know, just I think his helmet was over 150 pounds or, you know. 
into something like that, the scriptures, and I'm not getting into that, that message right there. But anyhow, I want you to know that when you start to see that he's going against something that is very intimidating, it reminds me much of our own life. When we're faced with the battles of this earthly realm, of this life, then we start to feel a sense of inadequacy. We start to sense a sense of fear, anxiety. Things overcome us. But when you go at the enemy in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord of hosts, you've already won that battle. So we're, we're now starting to live out that, well, the battle's not ours. Why, why are we going through this? So David already knew that. But David, when he, when he got to where the place was at, where the Philistine for 40 days had already been, you know, uh, taunting and haunting and doing all these things to, to, to each and every uh, soldier that was out there and every person that was watching, he said, wait a minute. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And when I face this battle, I'm not going to run from the giant. I'm going to take him on. Now, it's always interesting for me to be able to see that there, you got some brothers, family members. People get jealous. Jealousy starts to set in, but that's their own giant. They've got to slay as well. So we all have giants that we have to take down. We've got, we've got to face head on. But I love what David did. See, everybody else was looking in the natural, but David was looking in the supernatural. Do you hear what I'm saying? We look in the natural where David was looking in the supernatural. And when you walk with the Lord, you'll start walking in the supernatural, and you won't worry about what's in the natural. So when you start to see that David, who is just this, and, and the Bible uses the word ready. I, I always remember that because I think it's kind of funny, but just a, a ready little dude. And yet the Bible said he was fine of stature, very good looking young man. And yet we realize that in this text, that when he stepped out there, he knew who he was going afterwards or after. Because when you spend quiet time with God, much like he did in the pasture, you get that one-on-one -on -one with God. You know that. That in the quiet stillness of that moment, in that quiet moment, you start hearing from God. Less of us, more of him. So David says, wait, I want to see things in the supernatural. So this is what's funny, and I don't mean to be vulgar about this because it's in the word of God, and I just need to let you all know that because it's in the word of God, I'm not being vulgar. But here's what David did. So he looked at this big, tall stature that everybody else was looking at. He looked up at the tall stature. Everybody's looking that way, and he looked right there. And he said, mm-hmm, yeah, you, mm, you've not been circumcised. Well, he needed to see a doctor over that one. Now, the reason why I'm bringing that up, because I think there's an important covenant that's going on right here. See, in the Old Testament, to be circumcised meant that you were covered with the covenant and the anointing. So we were looking in the natural. Here David's looking in the supernatural. David is starting to see things in a different way. So when you look at your own life and you look at your own circumstances, you're starting to see things unfold in the natural when God is doing work in the supernatural. So if we really put our faith and trust in God, we need to know that God is working all things out for your good. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. So he looked at him and he said, well, wait a minute. I know who I'm up against. I'm up against one that does not have the covenant, does not have a covering, does not even have an understanding what it even means to be a child of the Most High God. See, in Jewish law, you had to be circumcised. 
And so he noticed that this Philistine wasn't circumcised, which meant he was open. You're saying, Pastor, but I'm not really understanding. Well, that was a commitment from, it was an Abrahamic commitment all the way back from the, in the Old Testament that he was speaking. And he said, you know, you must be circumcised. circumcised. So as a young boy, you got circumcised. And, and that was an order that was sent out by law from God Almighty. And so he says, wait a minute, I got this. You know why he knew he had this? Because here's what a covenant really looks like. And uh, I want to just, I wrote this down a little bit. Here's what a covenant is. It is a divinely ordained official bond, right? It's a bond that is between you and God. So your covenant is a divinely ordained official bond, a commitment that's between you and God. And so David knew that. So he's like, wait a minute, this guy is not even circumcised, which at that moment would really make all of us think, wait a minute, he knew who the battle was. He's like, I'm a victor in this one. I have favor. I'm a child of the most high God. I'm going into this. I'm coming into it with confidence. It says in the scriptures in first Samuel chapter 17, it said that David knew he, when he went after the bear, when he went after the lion, when he took down those animals, he didn't run from them. He ran to them. We have a tendency to run from the very thing that continues to haunt us like a ghost. When really we need to hit it face on. But pastor, what's a covenant? Here's kind of how a covenant is. Let me see if I can help you out here. So it's storming outside. It's raining outside. And you're asking yourself, what is going on right now? So water's hitting you. Things are taking place, right? We understand that a covenant is a covering. So much like many of us, when you see that it's pouring, you either do one, you have to take shelter, right? For many of us, we grab an umbrella. And when you grab an umbrella, you take the umbrella and you open it up, right? So now you have a covering that's over you. It's protecting you from the elements. It's protecting you from anything that's falling from the sky that's going to hit you. Now, let me ask you a question. Even though you're holding the umbrella and the, and the covenant, which was already in place with David and the nation of Israel, and it is a Jewish young man, the, the son of Jesse, we see that the umbrella of protection is already there. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. If I were to take the umbrella and put the umbrella down and we're holding the umbrella, do we still have a covenant with God? Yes. But for many of us, that's our Christian life. Our covenant now is if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you have Christ in your life, then you're walking in the new covenant. You're born again. You're saved. Yet you're holding the umbrella. But if you want to go against the enemy and you want to take on the principalities of the air, you, you want to take on the prince of darkness, then we have to do one thing. That means you walk over, you pull it out of the, out of the umbrella holder, and you open up the umbrella, and it covers us. That's the covenant. Are you with me? Amen. So as you start to see David, David knew who he was. He knew who he was. And yet he had this, this uh, covering that was over him. He didn't go out there putting the umbrella down and holding it, understanding who he was. He had the umbrella of protection. He had the anointing. He had the covering over him so he could take on the obstacles or, or the, the, anything that was coming at him, much like the giant Goliath. And many of us all have Goliaths. One thing that I find interesting about a Goliath 
Because when we have these Goliaths in life, the whole idea of a Goliath is that it wants to kill your future hope. Much like Goliath. If it can continue to taunt us, and it can continue to haunt us, then that same addiction, that same issue, that hurt, that hang-up, that habit, that whatever it is, will continue to take from your life. And as you decrease in this world, you will also decrease in that world. But what we need to remember is we have a covenant. We have an umbrella of protection. We can go into battle, and as we decrease and he starts to increase, then we increase in that world, and we start to see God do miraculous works in our life. Are you with me? So as we are walking in the anointing and we are walking in the covering, we have to then understand our position in Christ. Last week I went through 1 Samuel chapter 17. But I want to highlight verse 38 right now, if we will. And it says this. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. And then it says in verse 39, David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And then in verse 40 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, and you can follow with me up on the screen, it says, Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had, and his sling, sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the... But I come to you in the, I come to you in the name, hallelujah, not just the name of the Lord, but the name of the Lord of hosts of armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied the day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David buried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And then the last two verses. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and stuck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. And then we conclude. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and what? Killed him. 
but there was no sword in the hand of David. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you will just, Lord, speak to us this morning. Lord, give us the points to be able to be effective in this life. Father, I thank you that, Lord, you can speak to us. And, Lord, uh, you are holy. You are our King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, today I pray that you will just continue to hide me behind the cross. Speak through me, Lord Jesus. Just, Lord, I pray that this message will resonate in the hearts and souls of every person. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So let's just begin, even though I already did. We're not going to do the video, brothers, all right? So I want to say, first of all, point number one, the odds are against you. I want to get these points out today because I want to teach you some things here. There's so much that I could just say. I could probably make this an eight-week series, and I, I, I'll do whatever God wants me to do, but we've got a lot going on here in December, right? So the slender, beardless boy kneels by the brook. Mud moistens his knees. Bubbling water cools his hands. He is searching for rocks, stones, smooth stones, the kind that, that stack neatly in a shepherd's pouch and rest flush against a shepherd's sling. Flat rocks that balance heavy on the palm and missile with comet crashing force into the head of a lion or a bear. In this case, it was a giant. Goliath towers over them all. Nine feet, nine inches tall in his stocking feet, wearing 125 pounds of armor and snarling like the main contender at a Worldwide Wrestling Federation Championship night. He wears a size 20 collar, a 10 and a half hat, and a 56-inch belt. His biceps burst, thigh muscles ripple, and boast belch through the canyon this day. I defy the rank of Israel. And he says in 1 Samuel 17, 10, give me a man and let us fight each other. And, and so he's taunting and he's, he's continually you know, antagonizing and, and just kind of like a, a fester, a boil or what have you, just constantly pushing and prodding and, and trying to weaken those that are around him. And yet he's saying, give me. Your best shot. So what odds did David have against his giant? Better odds, perhaps, than you give yourself against yours. Your Goliath doesn't carry a sword and he doesn't carry a shield. He brandishes blades of unemployment, abandonment, sexual abuse, maybe even depression. Your giant doesn't parade up and down the hills of, of Elah. He prances through your office. He prances through your bedroom. He prances through your classroom. He brings bills you can't pay, grades you can't make, people you can't please, and whiskey you can't resist, pornography. You can't refuse and a career you can't escape a past you can't shape and a future you can't face How long has this giant stalked you how long has this giant been after you how long has he stalked you Goliath's family was an ancient foe of the Israelites. Joshua already drove them out of the promised land 300 years earlier. Saul's soldiers saw Goliath and mumbled, not again. My dad has fought 
his dad. My granddad fought his granddad. You've groaned similar words. I'm becoming a workaholic just like my father. Divorce streaks through our family tree like an oak wilt. My mom couldn't keep a friend either. Is this ever going to stop? When Saul and his men heard the Philistines challenge, they were terrified. It says that they were terrified in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11. With all the giants we must face, where is our focus? With all the giants we have to face, where is our focus? Point number two, do you see God? Do you see God? But what am I telling you? You know Goliath. You recognize his walk and wince at his talk. You've seen your Godzilla. The question is, is he all you see? Is he all you see? You know his voice, but it is, is it all you hear? David saw and heard more. David's first discussion, although it was about Goliath, was on the Lord. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he defy the armies of the living God? David shows up discussing God. The soldiers mentioned nothing about him. The brothers never spoke his name, but David takes one step onto the stage and raises the subject of the living God. Amen? He does the same with King Saul. No chit-chat about the battle or questions about the odds. Just a God-birthed announcement. And in 1 Samuel thirteen or 17.37 it reads... Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Woo! Are you guys amazed? I'm amazed. The Lord be with you. I mean, when I look at that script, I'm thinking, wow. Saul even said, go little dude. May the Lord be with you. When was the last time you looked at somebody and said, may the Lord be with you. 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 Don't you worry. Don't you worry, Colleen. The Lord's with you. May the Lord be with you. And everything you do, and I declare Jesus over you. See, when we're dealing with certain situations in our life, the Lord can be over us. Do you think I don't face hardship? I'm preaching this message because I'm the one who's famous of hardships. We all know what hardships are. We know that the enemy wants to take us down. We know that he wants to defeat us. We know that in in all reality, God doesn't want us to keep keeping on for him. No one else discusses God. David discusses no one else but God. Do you love that? Just say this with me. I love that preacher. You know, nobody else discusses it, right? But I'm I'm just saying, I thought that, look, a subplot appears in the story. More than David versus Goliath, this is God-focused versus giant-focused. 
This is God focus versus giant focus. I'm telling you. Wow. I have just enjoyed this. Can you tell? I, I, I've just been really encouraged because he teaches all of us, don't you worry about what's in front of you because I am the one who's the Lord of hosts. You need to be more God-focused. David sees what others don't, refuses to see what others do. All eyes except David's fall on the brutal, hate-breathing hawk. All compasses sends David's are set on the pole star of the Philistine. All journals, but David's described day after day in the land of the Neanderthals, the giants, the people know his taunts, demands, sighs, and strut. They have majored on Goliath. Why? Because we believe everything social media has to tell us. Extra, extra, read all about it. You're going to go down. I want you to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Quit accepting what the world wants to put on us. I'm tired of their curses. I'm tired of their word curses. It is time that we take authority as the body of Christ. And by the way, in January, you're going to want to come and learn how to do that as we move forward as an army as a, through Jesus Christ. How to move forward and overcome and conquer what Satan is trying to do to us. Do you receive that? Amen. David majors on God and in God. And he sees the giant, mind you. He just sees God more so. Look carefully at David's battle cry. Oh, you come to me with a sword. And you come to me with a javelin. Oh, but listen to me, you uncircumcised Philistine, I am going to come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Can you imagine in your shortcoming, in your addiction, I, you can come to me however you want, Goliath. But I'm going to come to you in the name of the Lord. Listen, he wants to take down your family. He wants to take down your marriage. It may look like a giant, but it's not a giant. Because I'll tell you right now, I know who owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I know who came in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I know who sits at the right hand of the Father, and his name is Jesus. And he came to seek and to save the lost and to give us all victory. Because we are victors. We're not victims. We're winners. We're not whiners. Get over your humanistic self. And walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So I will say, when we're facing our giants, we need to see the supernatural, not just the natural. David sees the armies of God. And because he does, David hurries and runs toward the army to meet the Philistine. I have two more points. So point number three. The battle is the Lord's. Don't you just love that? And as we claim it, we can say it. 
David's brothers cover their eyes both in fear and also in an embarrassment. Saul sighs as the young Hebrew races to certain death. Goliath throws back his head in laughter, just enough to shift his helmet and expose a square inch of forehead flesh. David looks and he spots the target and then at that moment he seizes the moment. The sound of the swirling sling is the only sound in the valley. And nails him right between the eyes. Pot liquor. That's how I look at it. That's how you defy the giants in your life. You take them down. This stone torpedoes into the skull. Goliath's eyes cross and legs buckle. He crumples to the ground and he dies. David runs over and yanks Goliath's sword from his sheath. Shish kebabs the Philistine and cuts off his head. Glory! But you might say that David knew how to get ahead of his giant. Thank you. I decided to. Okay. But in all seriousness, when was the last time you did the same? When was the last time you did the same? How long since you ran towards your challenge? We tend to retreat, duck behind a desk of work, or crawl into a nightclub of distraction or a bed of forbidden love. For a moment, maybe even for a day, maybe for a year, we feel safe. Insulated, anesthetized, but then the work runs out, the liquor wears off, or the lover leaves and we hear Goliath again, screaming, yelling, grabbing your attention. I want to encourage you, try a different track. Rush your giant with a God-saturated soul. Amplify God and minimize your Goliath. Download some of heaven's unsquashable resolve. Giant of divorce, you are not entering my home, and I declare that. Giant of depression, it may take a lifetime, but you will not conquer me. Giant of alcohol, giant of bigotry, giant of child abuse, giant of insecurity. You're going down right now in the mighty name of Jesus. So how long since you loaded your sling and took a swing at your giant? When was the last time that you loaded your sling and took a swing at your giant? One might read David's story and wonder what God saw in him. The fellow fell as often as he stood. David fell as often as he stood. Stumbled as often as he conquered. He stared down Goliath, yet ogled at Bathsheba, defied God mockers in the valley, yet joined them in the wilderness. An eagle scout one day chumming with the mafia the next. He could lead armies but couldn't manage a family. Raging David, weeping David, bloodthirsty David, God-hungry David, had eight wives. But here's what's great about him. He still had one God. Acts 13.22 says this. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, 
who will do all my will. David, a man after God's own heart. What do you mean, a man after God's own heart? That God saw him as such gives hope to us all, but David's life has little to offer the unstained saint. Sometimes I really do believe that straight-A souls find David's story disappointing. However, the rest of us find it reassuring. We ride the same roller coaster. We alternate between swan dives and belly flops, souffles and burnt toast. And in David's good moments, no one was better. In his bad moments, could one be worse? The heart God loved was a checkered one. And I believe that many of us in this room, we, all of us, we need David's story. Giants lurk in our neighborhoods. Giants lurk in our neighborhoods. They lurk in our homes. Rejection. Failure. Revenge. Remorse. Giants. Giants. We must face them. Yet, we need not face them alone. So let me say this. Focus first. Focus first. And most on God. The times David did, giants fell. The days he didn't, David did. And lastly, as I bring this message to a close, number four, focus on God, not on giants. Focus on God, not on giants. If you see a Goliath, call it Goliath. You know where it's going. Identify it. Call it by name. Declare it. David made only two observations about Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. One statement to Saul about Goliath was in verse 36, and one to Goliath's face. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In verse 26. That is it. Two Goliath-related comments. And tacky ones at that, I think. And no questions. No inquiries about Goliath's skill, age, social standing, or IQ. David asks nothing about the weight of the sword or the size of the spear. Do you hear that? But he gives much thought to God. And as we read David's words again, I count nine references to the Lord. God thoughts outnumbered. Goliath thoughts. Nine to two. God thoughts outnumbered. Goliath thoughts. Nine to two. How does this ratio compare with yours? Do you ponder God's grace four times as much as you ponder your guilt? Is your list of blessings four times as long as your list of complaints? Is your mental file 
of hope four times as thick as your mental file of dread? Are you four times as likely to describe the strength of God as you are the demands of your day? I'll say this to you. The whole matter may be summed up with the following couplet. Focus on giants. You stumble. Focus on God. Your giants tumble. Church, lift up your eyes. Giant slayer. The God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make one out of you. The God who made a miracle out of David stands ready to make one out of you. Where is your focus? How are you defeating your giants? And I want you to know, church, that you have the ability through Jesus Christ to declare victory over what's been keeping you struggling. You have the ability to say, right here, right now, I declare. I love the words. Words are important. And he said, I might see you in the natural. That's many of us in this room. But David said, but I see in the supernatural. Wouldn't it be great just to be able to identify like that? Now, I'm going to say something to some of you in this room because I believe that the Holy Spirit has been leading through this whole message today. I know that there are some that are in this room that are, are facing some struggles, some areas of insecurity. You've wavered in your relationship, in your marriage. Maybe you've wavered in your, in your walk just personally with God and because uh, your giant has been distraction. Maybe in your life it's been pride. Maybe it's been being with child. Listen. Realize that the supernatural is working on your behalf. Do you receive that this morning? And all you've got to do, in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus, renounce it. Tell it to go. Take out your sword. Slay that beast. He even said in the wilderness, I found it real interesting. He was in the Philistines for 40 days. Jesus is in the wilderness. 40 days. Temptation. All the anxiety. All the fear. Everything that, that overcomes us. Look, right in that 40 days, I called this really the valley of of decision you're in the valley of decision and today's your day to leave it to slay it to kill it and to look at it as God the Father looks at us and so you know what God I desire to see things in the supernatural more than I do just in the natural let's rise to our feet Father God we love you and we thank you Lord as we come to you in prayer Lord and as the praise team comes Lord help us to to overcome our giants. 
Whatever they look like, Father, I pray that you'll help us to, to, to overcome these areas that have uh, kept us on the other valley. The valley of decision instead of winning the valley of victory. Hitting it head on. Lord, I know that you spoke to many in this room. And Lord, we just need to leave it at the, the altar of decision. At the foot of the cross. And we need to say, God, this is yours. You are not intimidated. You, you are not afraid of anything. You said, name all these things. We've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are victors. And we will overcome through any giant that comes at us. Maybe it's anger. God, we need to slay that giant of anger. We need to take a hold and authority over the principality of darkness. We need to be a church of victors, not victims. So God, today, we came, and I know you spoke to some in this room. And Lord, I know that you're speaking to some in this room. And Lord, I just pray that you'll just touch them. Let them feel your presence right now. Deliver them from what they're going through. Because with God, all things are possible. David left his pasture to seize a giant, even thinking there might be five giants. And yet it only took one to defeat it. So he did everything through the anointing and through the favor the unmerited grace of his God and was able to defy the giant and not just his life but through the nation of Israel through his family Father we thank you for the covenant and Father today I pray for those that maybe they've been walking in the covenant they've accepted you as Lord and Savior but Lord they just haven't really started practicing it they haven't opened up their umbrella to have that covering anointing over them Lord today may they May they claim and understand what that's like. So God, we love you and we ask that you will just work right now in this time of altar call, of invitation. And Lord, as we sing this song, Lord, we're saying, God, you are so good. And we claim you in these, in these moments. So Father, do your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This altar is open for you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you come? Let us know. Today's your doubt. Today is your day of decision and your valley of decision. Let's sing together.